first, Taylor, this is the first Becky joke of 2021. <laughs> and if you don't know who I am, the, the teens over in Quest have nicknamed me the joke master. So this is a joke. <laughs> you can laugh, <laughs> please. Okay. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, why was six afraid of nine? Because nine, eight, seven. <laughs> Get it? This all started after we the got married. The countdown. <laughs> but I want to take a poll. How many of you were blessed by Christmas Eve service? Right? Every, there, I got double hands up back there. If I see feet, I'm going to jump up and down. Thank you to everybody, everybody, everybody who made that possible, from the kids all the way up to the youth, to all the elders, to the pastors, to all the audio and equipment up there, Mr. Hussey. Um, John had to put the puzzle pieces together, and it turned out fabulous. And it just didn't bless our congregation. It blessed people all over the world. So uh, just thank you so much for that. We'll never know this side of heaven what the benefits of that service will be. You're up. Oh, I am up. So I would like to piggyback off of what Jeremy just shared about Christmas Eve service and encourage you to watch, if you haven't already, the amazing um, message that Pastor Jeff preached last Sunday titled, Reveal the Sun. It is a very important and timely message from God about prayer and fasting as we begin this year of 2021. It's available on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and it's titled, or the pages, it's dated 1227 last week, last Sunday. So please take time to listen to that message if you haven't. We hope and pray you, um, that your prayer and fasting are going well and that the RLC Prayer and Fasting Guide has been an asset to you. Uh, now that Christmas is over, people have started to take down their trees. I'm not going to ask if you have or not. All right. Nativity sets are being put away. The streets are becoming dark. I don't know if you've noticed. My street was like a luxurious lighted thing, and now like 10 people have shut their lights off. It's become a dark road again. The lights aren't shining. We must remember that we don't have to just celebrate Christmas on December 25th or even from Thanksgiving to the New Year. But yet we have the opportunity to celebrate the greatest gift of all, Jesus, every single day. So let's take a look and see what the skit guys have to say about this. Uh, it takes care of the back of the house. You want to you wanna go around and take the lights off the front? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, hey, by the way, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I don't know who'd get on that roof. You are awesome. Yeah. He's, uh, is that the house you are talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. They leave their lights up all year round. They leave their lights on all year long. Here, check it out. So they leave their lights on all year long? All year long. And those bulbs change according to whatever holiday season it is. Get out. Can't wish I could. So like July 4th? Those bulbs come red, white, and blue. Thanksgiving. Harvest colors. Halloween. Black and orange. Memorial Day. Camouflage. Get out. Can't wish I could. Oh, I, I bet it's embarrassing for the neighbors. Oh, the neighbors. We're totally embarrassed. We complain about it all the time. Oh, and when there is no holiday season going on, those bulbs become little red hot chili pepper lights. What? Yep. 
Give me one good reason why you should celebrate the pepper. Can't wish I could. It's like your neighbors are the Motel 6. And my wife, she's always saying, let's just leave the lights on just a little bit longer. Let's just stay in the spirit of things. But when Christmas is over, you take down the lights. Am I right? I don't know. I'm not even the right guy to ask. I don't even put lights on my house. Why don't you put lights on your house? I'm afraid of heights. But the question is, why do you put lights on your house? To celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, all that kind of stuff. There you go. That's your answer. What? If you don't want to celebrate Christ all year long, then take the lights down. That's not what I was saying. You're putting words in my mouth. You're siding with my wife. Hey, hey, I'm not siding with anyone. I'm, and I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you and God were, uh, you know... On the outs? Yeah. We're not on the outs. Me and God, we're very tight. We're very, very tight. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Prove it. Prove what? Are you daring me to leave my lights on all year long? Hey, no dare here. I'm just saying, you gonna let your little light shine? Wait. Man the letter, my friend. What? Man that ladder. We're gonna get back up there and hang these lights. No, no, no. Oh, I was just kidding. Oh, yes. It is gonna be a proclamation of my faith. Didn't you hear? I I'm afraid of heights. You're already up there. <laughs> honey, honey, get the apple cider ready. Put on the Perry Como records. These lights are gonna shine. <laughs> get back here. These lights have to shine. So awesome video. It's actually one of my favorites. The, geek, the skit guys say, let your light shine. But we've heard this concept recently by Pastor Jeff last week, where he spoke about the words of 2021, where he said, reveal the sun. Pastor Jeff shared with us about what we're supposed to do in 2021. And today, Becky and I are going to share four ways on how we can let our light shine to everyone around us. The first Christmas, God gave us the world Jesus. Today's message is titled, let your light shine. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us, and that's the most important thing. We ask that these words bring you glory, Lord, and point people towards you, Lord, and that when we walk away today, Lord, we have things that we can apply to our lives and share with people who don't know you, Lord. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'll begin. One way to let your light shine and to share with others is to share the hope that we have in Jesus. The moment Jesus was born on Christmas morning, he brought hope to all mankind. As Christians, we are to share this hope with those we come in contact with. So being a teacher, I always like to look up definitions. <laughs> so what is hope? When I looked it up, it said hope in the noun form is the definition is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or the events will turn out for the best. Hope, used as the verb, is to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence. To believe, desire, to trust. The world's definition of hope is so different from Christ's definition of hope. The world's hope is in the direct circumstance, which is always changing. If, for example, financially, your hope is in our economy, then you will be riding the roller coaster of the stock market, right? But, thank goodness, our hope is in the Lord. And he is the only one 
who is constant and never changing. And when we live our lives looking to God with reasonable confidence, believing and trusting in him, not the circumstance, then we can reveal the sun and shine our light. The Lord himself is the source of hope because he determines our future, right? Our future is in his hands. Thank goodness. In Psalm uh, chapter 25, verse 5, in the NIV version, it says, Guide me in, tr in your truth and teach me, for you are our God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. As Christians, our hope is in him and the confidence that his promises in his Bible and the word are true. No matter what circumstance we are in or trial that we're going through, everything around us can be crumbling, but we can still have peace and joy because our hope is in our Abba Father. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 19, it says, God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So, we run to him for refuge and with courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So, when the storms of life hit, right, you think of a boat with an anchor. God will be the first one and should be the first one we turn to. And God cannot lie because he is truth. So, therefore, he cannot break his promises. His word stands forever. God must be trusted as our hope because he alone conquered death by raising his only son from the dead. But, however, knowing all of this and having a relationship with our Lord, we can still lose our hope, right? <laughs> I have all the time. The moment we begin to lose hope is because we lose sight of God and his promises. In Psalm 119.43, it says, Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. So when we are focusing on our circumstance, we forget to consult God and ask him for help and guidance. We focus on that huge mountain ahead of us and think, how am I, right, we use the word I, how am I ever going to get over this and through this? And how am I going to move on? And we begin to place that entire burden or trial on our shoulders and try to carry it ourselves. We also lose our hope when we begin to believe that our circumstance is too difficult for God. We forget about God's power and love for us. In Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. This can happen when we become tired or exhausted with our circumstances. We become filled with fear or worry that we will never see a victory or find a peace in the storm because our circumstance is insurmountable. How many of us or people we know 
are losing hope because of the coronavirus. <laughs> Our lives have been rocked by this pandemic. And I've said it and I've heard others say, I just wish we could go back to life before the coronavirus. You may have one trial after another, after another, after another, coming at you, and you just want rest. Isaiah 40, 31, I love this verse, says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I think I need to put that on my mirror in the, ma in the bathroom. So begin to take your eyes off of your circumstance and focus on God's power and his love for you. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who ho whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. So, knowing all this, how do we hold unswervingly to this hope. We need to be in his word. Right? The enemy comes along and tries to get us so busy, at least with me, that we tend to push that aside. Or maybe that might be one of the first things we push aside. But when we're in his word, we are in his presence. There's no better place to be in the presence wrapped in his arms, and meditating on his promises. When we are in his word, that is where we will find our joy, our peace, our strength, our hope. Romans 15.4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And patiently is tough for us. At least for me, it is. Each day, we can visit God's word and have our hope renewed and reinforced. His word never fails or wavers. Psalm 119, 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. We cannot imagine all that God has in store for us in 2021, right? We look back at 2020 and we're like, ugh. Right? It can't get any worse. We know that we have great things in store for us from our Lord, both in this life and in eternity. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. He will create a new heaven and a new earth, and we will live with him forever. Until then, he has given us his Holy Spirit to comfort and guide us. Knowing the wonderful and eternal future that awaits us gives us hope and courage to press on in this life and to endure hardship. This world is not all there is. The best is yet to come. Woohoo! As we press on through this life, we need to press in to him. Our hope in God during our trials and hardships will be a testimony to the unbelievers around us. 
who so desperately need to hear about the hope that is in God and who desperately need his love and direction in their lives. I would like us to speak and profess this verse together, but we're going to switch a few words. So as you can see, in Romans 15, 13, instead of saying those yous, we're going to put in the parenthesis. So let's say this together. May the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in him so that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may you overflow to those around you. And now Jeremy is going to speak about the second way we can shine our light to others. The second way we can shine our light to others is by showing them love. When we think about 2020, how much love can we recall? In many people's eyes, this was a year filled with awful acts against humanity, an election that was filled with ill-fated, hearted, hated words, and left people feeling lonely, isolated, and even unloved. We can no longer shake hands, give hugs, or even give kisses to our loved ones. In this time where we begin to reveal the hope of God to the world, we need to reveal God's love for all, black, white, Mexican, Asian, and every other ethnicity. Democrat, Republican, conservative, left-wing, God loves us all. The world needs love. Let's be clear, we don't need to agree or affirm the actions or beliefs of others if they don't are supported by the, our biblical beliefs. But we are commanded to love all people because God created them. Everyone is created in the image of God. And we are to love because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 in the Passion Translation. There's a lot here. We're just going to read it once and then we're going to skim through it. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone whose love is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. And the one who doesn't love has yet to know God. For God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we may live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. And it was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing, sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully, loved ones, if he loved us, this, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought into full expression in us. Now there's a lot there. We're going to look at the highlighted portions. Okay? But verse 7 says it perfectly. Those who are loved by God, let our love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Now look at my life. I know my life is not filled with love, and I'm continually not pouring it out. Right before Thanksgiving this year, my daughter's junior high principal sent out a message to all the students and families, and it read as follows. You are holding a cup of coffee when somebody comes along and bumps into you or shakes your arm, making this, it spill your coffee everywhere. 
Why do you spill the coffee? Because someone bumped into me. Wrong answer. You spilled the coffee because there was coffee inside your cup. Had there been tea in your cup, you would have spilled tea. Whatever is inside of your cup is what you spill out. Therefore, when life comes along and shakes you, which will happen, whatever is inside of you will come out. It's easy to fake it until you're rattled. So we have to ask ourselves, what's in our cup? When life gets tough, what spills over? Joy, gratefulness, peace and humility, or anger, bitterness, harsh words and reactions? Life provides the cup. We choose how to fill it. Each day we should work towards filling our cup with love, which can be expressed through gratitude, forgiveness, joy, words of affirmation, kindness, gentleness, and pointing others to our hope in God. Verse 7 goes on to say, Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences intimate knowledge of him. When we show love to others, deservingly or undeservingly, we draw, it draws us closer to God, and we will experience his intimate knowledge. When we look at the word intimate in the dictionary, it's defined as closely acquainted, familiar, close, private, personal, or a very close friend. I have a desire for God to reveal those private, personal things to me. Another way to look at the word intimate is in to me see. When I love, I'm able to see how God loves me with all my imperfections, my hang-ups, so that makes it easier for me to love others. Verse 11 is another high point of the scripture where it goes on to say, loving one another should be a way of our life. Let's remember why loving one another should be a way of life, and that's because God showed us his immeasurable love by sending the greatest gift of Jesus but also allowing him, Jesus, to die so that we can have an eternal life in heaven. If that's not love, I don't know what is. And then when we look at verse 12, it wraps it up nicely. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him, and his love is brought out in full expression to us. I'm unaware of how many of you here today or at home actually know what life means in Resurrection Life Church. But the word life actually stands for something, and it stands for love in full expression. The more clearly we and the people we come in contact with see love, the more clearly we will see God. The more clearly and freely we express love, the more clearly and fully we express God to all we come in contact with. Love is what we should be spilling. And I know it's not always easy to love. There are those people. And sometimes those people are me. Wouldn't we all agree? But God continues to love us even in our ugliest moments. And that's what we are called to do also. Matthew 5, 43-48 in the message reads as follows. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend. And it's unwritten communion companion, hate your neighbor or hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with energies of prayer. For then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. 
This is what God does. He gives his best. The sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone regardless. The good, the bad, the nasty, the nice. If all of you do, if all you do is love the lovable, what do you expect, a bonus? Anyone can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect metal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subject. Now live like it. Live out of your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. That hurts. But boy, can I say it's powerful and it's life-changing. If we get a grip on what that is and put it into action, loving our enemies is not easy, but it can be done. I know that because Jesus loved me for the first 25 years of my life when I had no purpose for him. I was essentially his enemy. This scripture calls us to respond with energies of prayer for our enemies or those who rub us the wrong way. These prayers are not to change that person, but rather for God to reveal to us what is standing in the way of us loving that person. When we use prayer to evaluate our own grievances with an individual, God will show us where our heart is not right. Praying for the individual allows us to look at the person through God's lens of love, which often gives us a little bit of understanding to the person's perspective or situation. And we're able to show that person compassion, grace, and love because we've never seen them that way before. That's what prayers can do. We are supposed to give everyone our best because that's what God did for us. Now that's a challenge. It's easy to give your best when your job's on the line. When you want to impress somebody or even just help out a friend. But giving our best to our enemies, that's a whole new level. What does our best look like? I can't give specifics, but I know our best always looks like it always brings glory to the Lord. We can live like it says in verse 48. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. I know God gives me his best, so I know I can do that for others as well. But how do I do it? One way is through service. And we can see that in Matthew 28, or 20, 28. Do as I did. The Son of Man did not come for people to serve him, but he came to serve others, to give his life and save many people. An easy way to show someone you love them, respect and honor, is to serve them. Our actions speak louder than our words. I can tell my wife I love her, or I can show my wife I love her. How can I do that? By giving her a kiss. But I benefit from that. Those actions do not show my love as much as doing the dishes on a busy day, mm -hmm. having dinner prepared when she gets home, yep. <laughs> or even rubbing her feet, or planning a special date night. Those show her I love her and are much different than me just telling her I love her. But how do I serve my enemy? Just as Jesus did. Jesus washed the feet of Judas with humility, even though he knew Judas 
was going to betray him. This is my commandment that I give to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. There is no greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his life for his friends. Now this isn't in the military. This may be your physical life. But for us, this just might be a moment of life. This may be putting your plans aside to help somebody or just listen to what God has for you to do and shine in that person. When we shine love onto others, we put aside our lives for the benefit of others. We have no idea what giving a simple 10 seconds of our life can do to somebody else. Our 10 seconds that we give to somebody could change somebody's life forever because we don't know where we're at. Are you willing to set your life aside and listen to what God has for you to do? We need to continue to be spilling love everywhere we go. Here's what Becky has to say about the third way we can shine our light. Okay. So the third way we can shine our light is by our strength. Speaking of strength, what kind of common bird has the strength to lift a steel beam? A crane. <laughs> That's another joke. <laughs> oh. I love first service. You guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah. When we hear the word strength, our mind automatically thinks of physical strength, right? Going to the gym to work out, muscles, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But obviously, our physical strength is not what brings people to an understanding of who Jesus is. The strength that I will be speaking about is an inner strength that only comes from God. When we fully understand how big and strong our God is, then we will receive his strength and use it to glorify him. Growing up, I remember that I had a picture of a gymnast jumping and doing a split. Like, you know how gymnasts are amazing. And she was high above this balance beam, like midair. And it was framed and hanging on my wall in my bedroom. And I would look at it often because I couldn't believe how strong this girl looked. Her muscles were like popping out of all places. And however, the words that were written on that picture next to the gymnast said, do not pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. As I grew older, I finally realized that I shouldn't be praying to be a physically strong person like that gymnast. But I needed to pray to be strong in the Lord. God never promised us that once we became a Christian, that our life would be easy and problem-free. In John 16, 33, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the time that he will no longer be with, him, with them when he says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We will have troubles as Christians, just like everyone else. But as Christians, we have the promise from God that he will be with us. He will give us the strength we need. He is the overcomer. We don't have to face our trials alone. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, God promises that when you go through deep waters... 
I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So we need to keep our faith in God and trust in him and believe in his promises. Because in difficult times, it can often feel like our faith is challenged, we often question God. Have you ever had those why God conversations with him? I have. <laughs> but in our difficult times, it's when we have the greatest opportunity to testify to others around us. God will use our tough times for his glory. When we find ourselves in these circumstances, it is in that moment that God showcases his full strength. And because we have his strength, we are able to go through, through, right? Not get stuck. We go through those difficult times again and again and again. In the Word for You Today devotional that we received from church, I recently read the passage titled, Keep Persevering. And it used the scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I would like to read part of that passage to you from the Word for You Today. It said, Before you were born... God anticipated your arrival. Isn't that amazing? Like, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait for us to be born. And he had a specific plan for you. And that plan involves dealing with problems and overcoming obstacles because that's how character is developed. The mark of a successful person is his or her ability to see problems as opportunities instead of obstacles. And the most important lessons take place not when you celebrate good times, but persevere during the bad ones. So the moment we raise our white flag, 